Let me join um, Buddy and all of you folks, if you heard talk about God speaking three, um, it is the first year I've just been able just to sit and worship um, with, that, um, with that presentation, and it is absolutely awesome. Um, it is worth those, um, those few moments that you have left in between all the things that you got to do uh, between now and, um, and, your, uh, and, and, and Christmas time. Um, I uh, was listening and, and trying to do a little visiting around and last night, and, and, um, and I heard a very typical statement um, come. Uh, there were a couple of folks talking, and one was saying that it was like the, 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 the 14th different activity they have done, like in the last 10 days or something, to celebrate Christmas. And, and the other one was, um, I think, was going to make sure that... that they had done more than this last person this time at Christmas and how exhausted they were and how they had done this. And it all almost became a fact that they were really, really proud of the fact that they were just completely overworked Christmas, that they completely missed the whole point. It was, it was, you know, they didn't mean to do that, of course, but as I sat there, I thought, you missed it. You completely missed it, and now you're like bragging about it. But it's, it is the way in which we live our lives. It is a hectic hectic time, and it's not supposed to be that way, um, although the first Christmas was obviously a very hectic time for a certain amount of people, um, it has kind of become that way with us. I saw a cartoon uh, uh, not too long ago, um, in fact this week, that, um, that had a, a, an adult female and, and she was mixing something in a bowl and, and the caption said, and she had the phone up under here, she was mixing and the captain said, uh, I mean, the caption under it said, now, now, Mom, how many cups of Xanax do you put in your Christmas cookies again? <laughs> you know, obviously, Mom had some secret that this, this particular person uh, uh, didn't, didn't have. Um, and so it does become such a hectic time um, at Christmas. And I want us to just stop for just a couple of minutes and think about the Advent season leading up to where we are going to be um, celebrating on, on, uh, on Tuesday evening. And we have talked in the last four Sundays about the Sundays of Advent, Advent meaning the time in which we prepare for Christmas. And we began by knowing that our hope, our hope, our peace, our joy, and then this morning our love, what does that have to do with, with Advent? And, and I believe that the love part might be might be the one that we picked last because I think, if we think about it, maybe it's the more important ones. Um, now, all that being said, I said I saw the cartoon this week. Uh, every time uh, Diane and Gabe would come into the room, I'm sitting in my recliner with my iPad trying to write this sermon, and, and every day Diane would say something about having it ready or not, and I'm, and I'm thinking, Diane, it's, the sermon's on love, like how many different ways can you, do, do, can you preach about love, like, like forever, and, and I really want to know what God wants the folks of Garris Chapel to hear um, about love, and, um, and then yesterday, I don't know through yesterday, um, she said, you know, the, the, the more you study that thing, the worse it gets, you know that, don't you, right? And it, had, it took me a few minutes to figure out what she was trying to say, Craig. You know, like, um, I'll just need to stop. 
and she's not here this morning. I feel like part of my arms or legs not here. She has what she calls the crud. Um, somehow she gets it every time the cantata comes up. But she loves the cantata, and especially God Speaking 3, so I don't think it's on purpose. I don't think she injects herself with anything. But a lot of the, a lot of the choir members, through the hard work, maybe, maybe you work them too hard, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I'm going to tell you this, that she and the choir never sounded better than they did last night. They were just absolutely awesome. And, and so if you can sneak in tonight, uh, even if you don't have a ticket, um, I would encourage you to do that. There's so, so much, uh, so much good from the, from the message of God, of God speaking. Last week, we talked about um, Mary and, uh, and where she got her joy and how Mary got her joy right in the middle of, of a time that was not necessarily joyful. Mary got her joy right in the time that the government was not especially truthful with them. Those folks who were over them were, were, um, were constantly persecuting them. And she lived at a time whenever, whenever there were different types of customs that um, did not work in her favor in the position that she was in. And yet she still found joy. And so I said, you know, we can't do Mary's joy without doing Joseph's love. And then I started reading about Joseph, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out, and so why is he such a loving guy? How can I choose Joseph as the guy that we pick as love? And I thought, well, I'm a lot like Joseph, and I know a lot of other folks who are a lot like Joseph, so let's look at Joseph and where he was, what he did, what he said, and what he didn't say, and let's see if we can just determine, well, maybe, maybe we need to talk about love uh, to ourselves on this, uh, on this fourth Sunday of Advent. And so we chose Matthew chapter... Um, Chapter 1, because Matthew doesn't say anything at all about Mary, doesn't use the, um, the manger scene, angels, shepherds thing, um, and, and Matthew gets right down to, to, to cutting the chase, and so we will um, we'll read that. The first chapter of Matthew, beginning in verse 18 uh, through 25, the New King James Version. The Bible says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God for 
First of all, let me introduce to you in case you maybe have forgotten or slipped your mind. Maybe you never knew that Joseph was a carpenter. Throughout the, New Te- the Gospels, when they hear about Joseph, they call him Joseph the carpenter. When they talk about Jesus, often it's the carpenter's son. Um, how many carpenters do we have in here this morning? Yeah, Bill can raise his hand. And, and um, yeah, you don't have to. How many wannabe carpenters do we have? There you go, that makes even better. I'm not even a wannabe carpenter because I know I can tear more up than you can fix. But carpenters build things. If you know anything about carpenters, here's what happens with carpenters. Uh, Bill, isn't this right? That, that carpenters have this saying that you, um, that you mark twice and cut once. There you go. Which means that carpenter has to know exactly what he's doing. He has to be very, very sure before he cuts. That he knows exactly where he wants to mark, exactly where he wants to cut. That's because a carpenter knows how it's supposed to turn out. He already has a vision in his head. He has this this thing that he's going to create if he's a carpenter. And if he's going to create it, then he's going to think about it, and he's going to think about it, and he's going to think about it some more until he finally puts it all together, and it comes together as a carpenter's uh, masterpiece or, or, or staircase or... Or, or toy, or whatever it is uh, that that carpenter is building. Now that doesn't sound much like somebody would be picked to be the earthly son of a heavenly Messiah. You think about it, the angel, and we like to think it's the same angel that came to Mary. I don't know why we like to think about it, but I do. I say so. The the angel comes to comes to Joseph in a dream. And he, and he picks his carpenter. And he says to him, you're not going to understand any of this, but your wife is with child. And, and in order for us to understand it better, the betrothed or betrothed or some of the translations say engaged to this, uh, to this person, to Mary. Later on in the scripture that we just shared together says, calls Mary his wife already. And that's because when you're engaged back in those days, it means a little bit more than the wedding ring and on one knee and, and all of the things that we talk about being engaged now. All of the rules and regulations of being married, the same as being engaged in those days when it comes to intimacy and when it comes to love and when it comes to all of the law, as a matter of fact. And so here the angel says to Joseph, it ain't going to turn out the way you think. Your wife is already with child, but don't panic. God is in this thing. You're not going to, um, you're not going to believe this, and that's why I'm here. But God is with us. His name is Jesus. That you, you, you probably may not understand, but now is the time for the one to be born who's come to save his people from their sins. You talk about suddenly a turnaround. Many of us, many of us try to try to figure out this Christmas thing too. And there have been endless conversations in seminaries about the Old Testament term for virgin birth, where it is um, um, predicted or prophesied in the Old Testament, being a young maiden. Um, it says virgin birth, so I'm with virgin birth. But there's been all kinds of theological discussions about that and you just got to wonder uh, uh, about Joseph and, and how he thought about that 
So let's look at Joseph for just a second. Maybe how, how we think about that. And maybe then we'll kind of understand what Joseph was going through. First thing I want you to notice is if with the scriptures that we just read, Joseph never says a word. I thought that was kind of strange that Matthew doesn't actually quote Joseph. And Joseph said, are you kidding me? I mean, Joseph says, now, at least Mary says, how can this be? Uh, at least Mary says, uh, I haven't, um, you know, this is just not natural. And all those things. And Joseph, Joseph, here's the kind of guy Joseph is. First of all, Joseph is the kind of fellow that knows the law. He's a good man because he knows exactly what the law is. And we mentioned last week, the law for uh, a, a woman to be um, having a child without being married is death by stoning. Joseph knew that. He knew the law. He, he knew what was supposed to happen. And yet, Joseph also was not only just a man who knew the law, he was also a man who was a godly man. He knew Scripture, as a matter of fact. Um, it, it says that Joseph, um, uh, when, the, when, when the angel talked with Joseph, um, the angel said, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, <clears throat> bear a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. That didn't throw a loop or any kind of any, anything um, unusual in Joseph's life. He knew that was going to happen. So first of all, he was, a, he was a man who understood the law. He was a man who understood the scriptures. That may be the case with many of us. We understand the repercussions of breaking the law, not just the religious laws, but the laws of the land. We, we understand um, scripture as best we can and as best as Joseph could, that the Messiah for us came, really came, as was said this morning, really was alive, really came as a baby, really grew up, really died on the cross, and then really arose. We understand that as best that we can. So maybe we can relate with Joseph on being not just people who know the law, but we also understand the Scripture. There's another thing that Joseph would have been really good at, considering the fact that he was a carpenter, that maybe I don't, maybe some of us don't have all of that characteristics, but I'm working on it. The scripture says that Joseph was mindful. He's the kind of guy that would sleep on it before he'd buy the car. He would go first, make the deal, and he'd go home and sleep on it. It said he was mindful of what, um, of what was spoken to him. Um, he was one who, um, who would think it over, um, as a matter of fact. So, so he, was a, he, was a, he was a thinker. Uh, the scripture says he thought about these things. He was a thinking man. Sometimes we often make some knee-jerk decisions, but not Joseph. And then finally, Joseph's biggest and most precious to me um, characteristic was that he was an obedient man. And, and you got to wonder what I'm talking about, but the thing about it is, as soon as the angel says to Joseph that, that um, this child is of the Holy Spirit, this child is a special child. This is the child that, you, that you've already known about. This is the Messiah. And then the angel says, instead of naming him Junior, because everybody names everybody Junior, but instead of naming him Junior, why don't, um, why don't you, you're going to be commanded to name him Jesus? Because Jesus 
means he's going to save his people from his sins. And he also has a middle name. His name is Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. And so when Joseph realizes all of the repercussions, when Joseph realizes um, all that's going on, when he measures twice, he finally understands that he's obedient. And the very last words that we read in the scripture that we shared with this morning, um, the very last verses, um, says that he, that he got it from his dream. Um, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took him and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, last verse, and he called his name Jesus. So he was obedient in that as well. Well, where does, where does all, the, where does all the, the love come in? And to me, the love comes in as it has to come into my heart and as it has to come into your heart. You know, we know what we're supposed to do, and we know that we don't always do that. But it's because we also love God that we strive to be what he wants us to be. You know, some Sunday mornings, there might be one or two of you who just don't feel like coming to church. Or there might be a choir member or two who just don't feel like singing. Some Sunday mornings, you might not like singing with the praise team or the worship team. And, you know, sometimes you just don't feel that way. But we know what, we know what God wants us to do. We also know what the scripture tells us to do, and we know that when we mess up, the scripture tells us that he forgives us no matter who we are. And all of those things, whether we don't feel like it and we go ahead and do it anyway, or whether we know what the scripture tells us either through the law or through, um, and through his word and through his spiritual law, that we do it anyway. And the fact is that it all stems from love. It all stems from the fact that we love Jesus. And the fact is, we didn't love Jesus first. He loved us. We didn't find Jesus first. He found us. We didn't call on his name first. He's been calling on us since we were born. It's called provenient grace. I'll explain it to you if you come to see me sometime. But it simply means that he is the one who is constantly on your back about just simply living for him. That's all. And simply loving him. But to me, maybe, the, maybe the, the biggest example of his love might not, be, um, might not necessarily be the moral part. It, it might not necessarily be the spiritually solid part. It, it might not necessarily be the good guy uh, part. It, it might not even be um, any of the parts that we've talked about. You see, even though Joseph never says anything, his actions spoke volumes. Even though Joseph that never says, Joseph says, yeah, I'll take this, but his actions spoke loudly and clearly. When he woke up from the sleep, when he, um, when he woke up, he did exactly, exactly what the angel said for him to do. And I would submit to you that comes from nothing but absolute Positive love. A love for somebody who um, he hasn't had time to, to be intimate with. In those days, most marriages were, 
um, were prearranged. So we really don't know very much. Adam Hamilton wrote a book that said that maybe even um, Joseph was an older man and that Mary was a much younger woman. I don't know and don't care. But the thing about it is, is that, is that they, don't, they haven't done the dating thing. They had not gone to the drive-in and they haven't gone out to eat and, you know, and all that sort of thing. That, that hasn't happened. I, I think that what happened with, with Joseph was just simply was simply just done out of love and, and, and nothing else. And I think that at, at Christmas time, we sometimes get so caught up on those 14 things that we've done in the last 10 days that we sometimes feel obligated or sometimes we know what's best and, and, and it is fun and, it is, and, and they're good things. Sometimes we forget why we do what we do. We forget that we do it out of love. The love that we have for Christ, who came as a baby, and the love that he has for us, who was willing to come and suffer and die for us. Sometimes we get so caught up in the good things, in the music and the, and the lights, that we just kind of slips our mind on, on what the true meaning really, really is. I, I want to challenge you the same way that I want to challenge the younger folks, is that, that on Christmas Day, if you don't ever tell them before then, on Christmas Day, along with thank you, that you tell that person, I love you. Now, in our household, we don't have a problem with that because, um, because Gabe always leaves my house with, I love you, and I always go, yeah, I love you too. So like, um, <laughs> like yeah, okay. Yeah, it was like a heartfelt love you to you, and I know that it means so much to you because we just kind of say it all the time, and so I'm afraid, I, I promised Gabe I wouldn't go too far with this, you know, I'm afraid that we've kind of watered it down a little bit. I, I, because of y'all, I have to be on Facebook, and, and I really mean that. If y'all, will, if you, all of you in here will make a pledge never to post anything, I won't ever get on the rest of my life, I promise. <laughs> but you won't, so I will be on Facebook. And I love the people who always go, you know, I love you, to a Facebook friend. And I kind of wonder if they even know them, much less love them. And so it kind of waters it down. And so my challenge to you is not let it be watered down this year. To actually tell somebody you really love them. And let that somebody not just be somebody with flesh, but let that somebody be somebody who loves you as well. Um, I, I, I want to, um, I, I, I want to, I want to close with, with, with this story that mm, a dozen of you have heard on several occasions. There was a, um, there was a young boy who was building a boat, a small boat. And I was reminded of this story because, um, Scott Wiggins is building a boat. This story ain't about you, but you, you reminded me of it. I went to see Scott, and he said he, you know, he needed to concentrate. And boy, when you're a carpenter and you're putting things together, you need to concentrate. You need to concentrate on, 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 on something healthy. And he, so he was putting his boat together, and, and I, I'm hearing him talk about cutting the the, the, the bow or just perfectly, and 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 then putting the uh, what do you call it stuff you put on the outside, the fiberglass on, on the outside, and putting everything. You know. And I said, "How big is this thing?" And and he said, "40 what." 40 
48. I said, you got a four-foot boat that you're building? He said, no, 48 inches. So he's, he's building a remote-control boat. And it brought back an old story that my favorite person who ever lived in the whole world, my mentor, Mr. McGee, told. And, and I shared this at, at his funeral whenever I was, willi- I was uh, privileged to do that. But I think it just fits so, so much. There was a little boy once who, who built a boat. And he took a lot of time, as builders do, as carpenters do, to make it look exactly what the vision in his head was supposed to look like. And so he took it down to the river to, uh, to, to just look at it and watch it float. And, and he put it in the water, and he was just admiring his work because it was doing so beautifully. And in a few minutes, it got out of his reach. And in a few minutes, he it got out of his complete reach. And in a few minutes, it disappeared from his sight. And he was so heartbroken that this thing that was his that he put together was now gone. Several days went past, and he was in a little small town, much like we have, and he went by a a little shop where where you could buy little antiques and and, um, things that you collect. And guess what was in the window? You can guess that. The boat. His boat in the window. And he, and he walked up to the storekeeper and he said, that's my boat. And the storekeeper said, no, it's not, because I bought that boat, so that would be my boat. And he said, no, but you don't understand, I, I, I built that boat and I'll buy it. And so the storekeeper said, well, I'll sell it to you for a dollar. So the little boy goes home, breaks his piggy bank up, and sure enough, he's got exactly one dollar. He goes back to the store and he gives the man his dollar. And as he walks out the door, the store man can hear this young boy talking to the boat. And he said to the boat, I made you, then I bought you, and now you're mine. I made you, and then I bought you, and now you're mine. That's what happens at Christmas. That's what happened at Christmas. He made us in his image. He made us to love one another. Not just to love one another, but to love one another as He loved us. That's a whole level and a whole other sermon. He made us in His image to love one another. And then, when He was born into the world, so He bought us with His own life. His own life He bought us. And so he can look at us, and he can say to us, I made you, and I paid for you, I bought you, and now you're mine. And my wish for you on this Sunday before Christmas is you'll just think about that and think about love, because that's the truest of love. And think about how you love him for making you, putting you together with church family and and then and then buying you and you're all his you're all his at Christmas time when you look at the candles when you look at the poinsettias when you look at the trees then you just kind of look up and say yep I love you at Christmas time Lord let it begin with Jerry 
you've got the yellow cards, and we're going to have a prayer. Um, up there, thank you. We're going to have, how'd you sneak up here? When they do that? You're good. Oh, he's good. Yeah, he's a lot of things, and I love him. I love you, Gabe. It's a true story. It, it, it is. It is a true story. You know, um, tonight's, tonight's, uh, I'm going I'm to close. So we still got, we still get out of here in time for you to beat the Baptist to the restaurants, okay? But, but I was thinking about last night's um, God Speaking 3. And, um, and, and I actually did weigh in on the, the um, Robertson Duck Dynasty subject, but you have to go to jerrykit.blogspot. And I, what you say it is? jerrykit.blogspot.com. And I thought about last night, and I even said it last night, how, how marriage is being so attacked. And I believe from the bottom of my heart that, that, that the enemy knows that if he can, can get a hold of our marriages, that he can take us down as church, as Christians. And, um, and, and we, can't, we just simply can't let him do that. And, and that one subject is just one subject. I'm talking about marriage, which is a whole range of subjects. Um, and, we, and God speaking speaks to that as well. And, and he does that sometimes, even, even through um, like sickness. Um, our Diana's marriage um, could, have, could have been broken instead of, instead of being stronger. Because she's had to put up with a lot. And since she ain't here, I've had to put up with a lot. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's recorded, isn't it, um, Terry? Uh, okay, but I love her. Love you, Bama Gay. <laughs> and that's what love is all about: is being together and sticking together as family. And I love the way Jamie wrote it up: sticking together and being together as church. And so, if you're here this morning and you just don't quite understand what this love is all about, I really, really want you to know Jesus. I really, really, really want you to know. This could be the last Christmas that you have and you get a chance to tell him how much you love you and tell him thank you and tell others how much you love them. And, and, and you just don't, you kind of get that feeling a lot more whenever, whenever you have an illness. But, but the truth is, Jesus said, the way you know, they'll know you're my disciple is the way you love one another. And Jesus loves you and I love you. God in heaven, I Thank you so much for your love that you spread through the church and beyond. We don't pretend to know the answers, and we certainly know that the church is in an imperfect place, but we serve a perfect God. We know that marriage is an imperfect relationship. We know that it was ordained by a perfect God. We know that this world is even more quickly than we could imagine beginning to persecute people in little ways and larger ways, larger ways all across our globe, simply because they love somebody. And so we pray that you would, um, that you would hear our prayers and make us even more in love with you. Because we know that you can't be any more in love with us. Lord, we pray especially for those who have written down this morning. We 
pray for Mr. Ken Turner's back. Lord, we know that when your back hurts, everything hurts, and so we pray that you would just, uh, just be with him. Lord, we continue to pray for Nick and his family during this Christmas season. Death and sickness and illness and being in the hospital is uh, no fun at all, but especially when everybody else is laughing and celebrating. We pray for Eric's mom, uh, Nancy Brown, who's recovering from uh, knee replacement surgery. And Lord, we pray that that family would celebrate the fact that we can indeed have surgery, that you have, um, you have given wisdom and uh, you've given knowledge. Lord, we pray for Dr. Cipriani's husband, Jeff. He's had a massive heart attack this week and is awake med. And um, Lord, we know that uh, we know that you made his heart, and we pray that the folks at Wake Med would um, would help to do that healing that you do. And God, we have a request that David still is at home because he too has the crud and, and there's Diane and a lot of other folks who have that um, and we pray for him we pray for Larry Williams who's having trouble with his blood pressure it's, it, it's falling and so Lord there are a lot of physical a lot of physical stuff going on out here but we know that love well it can overcome a lot of things and so this morning, we pray that the love would be in our hearts this Sunday before Christmas. Not just a love of knowing the law or the love of knowing the scriptures or the love of knowing what to do and what not to do, but the love that the Heavenly Father has placed in our hearts. And we thank you for that. We pray that our hearts will be touched today, that as we go into those days before Christmas, that you would touch us with love so that we indeed can love one another and have joy and have peace and have hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. The altar, of course, is open. If you just want to come up here and tell him you love him, and go back to your seats, or you can stand and, and, um, and tell him you love him. Just, um, just whatever the way God leads.
Instead, they 